the final day of the month and the final day of 2022's first quarter. A lot has happened so far, and there's still a lot more to go. Mathematically, we are 24.66% of the way through the year. And for those who want to take the long view, we are 21 and a quarter percent of the way through the 21st century. It all adds up in this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, and I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, people are warned to not come into contact with water from an urban stream in Charlottesville due to high levels of E. coli bacteria. The director of the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority is hopeful that Crescent Halls can be reopened on time this August. Charlottesville City Council will meet three days in a row, beginning with tonight's budget work session. The Ribana Water and Sewer Authority gets an update on capacity in Albemarle's northern growth area. In today's first Patreon-fueled public service announcement, the Charlottesville area tree stewards are preparing to hold their first in-person tree sale since 2019. On April 9th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., Charlottesville area tree stewards will open up their tree nursery at the Fontaine Research Park and will sell saplings of native trees, some of which are hard to find from commercial sources. The prices are between $5 and $15. There will be large trees from birch to sycamore, Smaller trees from black gum to witch hazel. And shrubbery! Visit charlottesvilletreestewards.org to learn more. Charlottesville is warning the public to stay out of Pollock's Branch between Elliott Avenue and Rockland Avenue due to elevated levels of E. coli. Pollock's Branch is a waterway that travels south from the downtown mall and is one of many locations monitored by the Rivanna Conservation Alliance. Here's a section from the announcement from the city. E. coli is a type of fecal coliform bacteria, and when it is found in water, it is a strong indicator of sewage or animal waste contamination, which can cause disease or illness. City officials are investigating the situation and advise that no one touch the water. Pollock's Branch runs underground from the downtown mall and underneath the Ix Art Park before daylighting at Elliott Avenue, where it then flows south into Moores Creek. The Virginia Department of Environmental Quality certifies the Rivanna Conservation Alliance's monitoring efforts as a Level 3, which means the data can be used for official scientific purposes. The RCA has been monitoring bacteria since July of 2012. The Charlottesville City Council will meet in person for the first time in over two years tomorrow, when they convene at 4 o'clock at City Space for a retreat. A limited amount of public spaces are available, but the event will be broadcast on Zoom. The two-day retreat will be facilitated by the Virginia Institute of Government, a branch of the Weldon Cooper Center at the University of Virginia. On the agenda is a facilitated discussion of City Council goals and strategies, as well as an item called Identify and Build Consensus for Priorities and Action Items. The retreat begins tomorrow at 4 p.m. and then reconvenes on Saturday at 10 a.m. Tonight, City Council will meet at 6 p.m. for a budget work session. For previous coverage, there's a link to a tweet thread to several articles on Information Charlottesville. 
On Monday, the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority's Board of Directors voted to approve a $12 million budget for the fiscal year that begins tomorrow. They also learned that at least one revenue source for the current fiscal year is coming in much lower than had been anticipated. The CRHA had expected there would be some residents at Crescent Halls the entire time it was renovated, but a flood last summer changed that plan. Mary Lou Hoffman is the finance director for the CRHA. There was some knowledge as to what was going to happen, but I don't think the, obviously with the flood, it created a different um, wrinkle and deficit. The agency had budgeted just over $291,000 in yearly rent from Crescent Halls, but has only received $122,745. The building is currently totally unoccupied as crews work to renovate all of the apartments. CRHA Executive Director John Sales said the original plan had been to do the renovation in stages, and the budget had expected that at least 70 units would be occupied at all times. After that, we emptied half the building and put them in hotels. However, sales said the insurance companies would not cover that expense long term because the units that had been damaged were going to be renovated anyway. Then we started having the conversations with the residents that were living in the building about the conditions of the building with half of the building being empty. Um, the work that was going on on the other side with uh, the walls being torn down, appliances being ripped out um, due to the flood. They were the mitigation of the flood um, and just the morale and um, how depressing it was living in the building uh, with only four floors occupied and only half of those units occupied. Sales said some residents were moved to other public housing sites and others were given housing vouchers. The CRHA lost revenue not only from rent, but from subsidies from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Sales said the project needs to be completed on time. And so I've been pushing the contractor that we're not changing that August date. We have to make that date work. Sales said the first phase of the South Street redevelopment also needs to come online on time in order to meet the revenues that HUD officials are expecting. The federal agency considers CRHA to be a troubled agency. When Crescent Halls does come back online, not all of the units will be considered public housing units by HUD. Sales said all of the units will remain affordable. At Crescent Halls, you're going to have your traditional public housing units, but then you're also going to have the project-based voucher units where they're going to be higher rents, but they're subsidized with the voucher. Sales said under those vouchers, tenants would only have to pay 30% of their income towards rent. So we can charge $1,000 for a one-bedroom unit while not impacting what the resident that's living in that unit can actually afford because the voucher is going to subsidize the rent above their 30%. So if they make $1,000, their rent is going to be $300. The voucher will cover to $700. For the public housing units, the CRHA can only charge what the tenant is able to pay. CRHA board members also asked City Councilor Michael Payne to ask council to waive the payment in lieu of tax that CRHA pays to the city each year. Payne said he would bring up the matter at tonight's budget work session.
You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out. Lovers of used books, rejoice! The Friends of the Jefferson Madison Regional Library is back again with their annual spring book sale, opening this Saturday through Sunday, April 10th. The Friends of the Library sale will once again take place at Albemarle Square Shopping Center from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day. There's a special preview for members tomorrow night from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., and there's still time to volunteer. Visit jmrlfriends.org to learn more. See you there! One long, big segment that's actually two stories cobbled together from the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority meeting from March 22, 2022. The government entity responsible for providing drinking water and collecting and treating sewage will officially have to ask the state of Virginia for permission to continue existing. Bill Moyer is the executive director of the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority. Authorities are authorized for 50 years and then they have to be reauthorized. The Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority received its original authorization in June of 1972, marking the 50th anniversary of the decision to create an authority to provide the basic essentials for a growing urban community. So, a part of our celebration, we'll be submitting resolutions to the Albemarle Board of Supervisors and to City Council to reauthorize the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority. The RWSA owns and operates facilities that serve the urban ring around Charlottesville, as well as facilities in Scottsville and Crozet. Moyer said the Beaver Creek Reservoir has recently been treated to bring down levels of algae. Uh, It is the earliest we have seen that we've had an uh, algae bloom in any of our reservoirs since uh, current staff have been around. In the long, long term, we plan to have a hypolimnetic oxygenation system, which is a pipe that goes along the bottom of the reservoir and it bubbles water, bubbles air into the water and helps to oxygenate it to minimize the conditions that are conducive to algae blooms. That pipe will be installed as part of the upgrade of the Beaver Creek Dam scheduled to take place next year. Another major capital project is a proposed water line to connect drinking water from the Observatory Water Treatment Plant to other portions of the urban water system in Albemarle's growth areas. Some have expressed concern about the route that is currently preferred by staff. RSWA officials have been meeting with neighborhood groups to explain the purpose of the water line and to discuss its path through the Fry Spring neighborhood along Cherry Avenue, 6th Street Northeast, and East High Street before connecting to a water line that serves Pantops. So the plan is we're going to collect all the information and feedback from the neighborhoods, assess it, get any feedback that um, council may provide us or the Board of Supervisors and assimilate all that data and frankly come back to our Ravana board at the June board meeting with a recommendation on the final location of the water line. The project has an estimated cost of $31 million and may be further informed by the completion of a master plan for water infrastructure. That's expected to be ready for the public to review in April. (laughs) 
Also at that meeting on March 22nd, 2022, the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority's board of directors were also briefed on whether there is enough capacity in Albemarle's northern growth area to support additional homes, such as the ones that might come at the University of Virginia's North Fork Discovery Park. There are also hundreds of other homes coming online at Brook Hill, RST Residences, North Fork, and other developments under construction. Jennifer Whitaker is the RWSA's chief engineer. And what we're looking at now is that these significant utility demands that are being proposed may force one of two options. One is to accelerate the utility plan or um, require some phasing uh, so that we don't have uh, uh, an unmet need in the future. According to a demand study from July of 2020, current demand for the whole system is at 10.4 million gallons a day, or MGD. Capacity can provide a safe yield of 12.8 million gallons a day. Every 10 years, we try to take a very strong look at what we know as a community about growth and development and use within our community. And then we also take a look at what's going on in our reservoirs, and we try to look at how the raw water supply and the finished water supply match up. Whitaker said there is enough water through 2060, as long as several parts of the community water supply plan are built by 2035. These are construction of a pipeline to connect the South Fork Rivanna Reservoir and the Ragged Mountain Reservoir, and the raising of the pool at the Ragged Mountain Reservoir. Northern Albemarle is served by the North Fork Rivanna Water Treatment Plant, which Whitaker said can effectively treat 1 million gallons a day. There's a demand of about a half a million gallons a day currently in that area. The RWSA is planning to decommission that plant, but has to connect that area to water from the South Fork Rivanna Water Treatment Plant first. Some of the growth demands at the North Fork Research Park and other northern Albemarle uh, areas has the, the need is picked up. We're now looking at that plan and, and trying to figure out exactly how to sequence it um, to meet that need. Wastewater flows via gravity to the Moores Creek Wastewater Treatment Plant, and Whitaker said improvements to what's known as the Powell Creek Interceptor are currently slated for sometime between 2045 and 2065. Uh, as we evaluate um, future growth in this area, we're looking at potentially having to accelerate that as well. Whitaker said the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority is working with the University of Virginia Foundation and the county as a rezoning for the North Fork Park makes its way through the rezoning process. The foundation has asked for a maximum potential of 1,400 homes at the North Fork Park. UVA has announced that some of these units will count toward UVA President Jim Ryan's goal of building up to 1,500 affordable housing units. Ultimately, we'll be able to serve all of it, but the question is how quickly we can, we can um, allow them to bring that, bring that online. The other two locations for affordable housing are on Fontaine Avenue at the Piedmont housing site, as well as Wirtland Street. There was no action related to this specifically at the meeting, but there is certainly a lot to pay attention to into the future, and that's what Charlottesville Community Engagement is here for. But that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for March 31st, 2022. Now, tomorrow is April 1st, and I am dead serious. There's going to be a really in-depth 
look at the future tomorrow in a blockbuster edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement, which I'm really looking forward to getting out to you guys. It's going to be the most in-depth thing you've ever seen. But that's for tomorrow. In the future after that, there's a lot more stuff going on. And one way you can help to make sure that all gets produced is to consider making a financial contribution uh, through Substack. Substack is the venue through which the newsletter and the podcast grow out. It's also a way that you can show your support financially, which allows me to spend seven days a week doing this work. This is a service of Town Crier Productions, which is a company I formed a little under two years ago in order to produce this kind of work. There's a lot more coming on the way, but in the meantime, there's tomorrow's episode, which I have to get to. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. Thank you very much. I should mention too, if you do subscribe through Substack, Ting will match uh, your initial payment, which is a fantastic way to show your support. uh, And that's a really good thing because again, seven days a week, uh, I'm thinking about uh, asking the Beatles how they got their eighth day, because I could certainly use that because there's a lot going on. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of the program. See you in the near future. Thank you so much and goodbye. Goodbye.